Well, happy Mother's Day. If you are the mother of a daughter from age three to 33, you have been singing that song a million times since Thanksgiving. Four, four days straight. If you, Jeff got me a Bose player for um, one of those Bluetooth Bose players early for Mother's Day, and we are jiving to our 80s music, and then all of a sudden, Frozen comes on. If you don't know that song, then you are some of the lucky few where you still get to be in charge of your own iTunes. Just enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> as soon as your kids are old enough, it will not be your account any longer. Um, my kids, I showed this to them ahead of time, see if they thought it was funny. Most of it went over their head because they think it's perfectly wonderful for them to all come to the bathroom with me and have a conversation at the same time. But JD, my youngest, the one who is, God, he is perfect. Um, he said, Mom, I think you need to tell the people that we are not allowed to say freaking in our house. But you did say it last week while Daddy was out of town and you got really mad at us. So for the record, we are not allowed to say freaking at our house. For the record, I have been known to slip on some very stressful occasions and say that word, even though it's ugly. Um, happy Mother's Day and welcome to my church. I have the mama in me has to take just a minute to brag a little bit on some amazing young leaders that we have in our church. We had Sydney Sprague right over here leading a few minutes ago who is superstar. I call her the Tim Tebow of softball. She was recruited by one of the top 10 schools in the nation to go play softball. And how cool is it that a girl that puts God first and others first and leads us in worship, that God's gonna give her a limelight like that. Sydney, we are proud of you, proud of you. This girl glorifies God in everything that she does. I was there at her signing at Columbus High School. The auditorium was packed. Teacher said it's never packed like this. This school respects this girl because of her faith, um, because of her walk. And we will be praying for you. We are proud of you. And we are honored to be led by young people who love Jesus Christ. I'm looking at Will Griffin-Hagen here who plays the guitar a lot for us and Stephen I saw earlier. What's so cool that I love about my church, and if you're a grandma and you were here for baby dedication, let me just apologize for our loud music. My mother hates it too. But what she gets is that this church is raising up the leaders of the next generation, all right? They don't like our music, they like Frozen right now in a few years, they're going to like this rock and roll stuff that's up here. So um, I'm kind of partial. They kind of won me over. I kind of like it too. But if you don't like it, we have earplugs outside and you can wear those um, when you're with us. But thank you so much for visiting with us. And we are so proud of our young leaders around here. Um, I am super excited about what I get to share with you today. I will preface it by saying this. I have never fought and wrestled with God more than I have in the last two weeks over what to share with you. Literally one day I was screaming out loud, if you would just show me what you want me to say or if you would just let me say what I want to say. And then this little ding went off on my phone. I get this verse of the day on my phone and it said, even the fools seem wise when they keep their mouth shut. I'm like, God, you just told me to shut up. So I'm going to shut up. So this is not my choice. I am being personally very challenged in this area. And um, I think that maybe moms that you will too, but I think we have a big task ahead of us. So pray with me and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I just submit to you that I am not enough. I don't have enough 
wisdom, enough knowledge, not enough time to put this talk together, God, so I ask that you would take my not enough and make it enough. God, I pray that your word would accomplish what you send it out to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, moms, I'm gonna ask you to write these down. I'm gonna give you four verses and I want you to write them down. We don't usually ask you to do this, but grab a pen in the seat in front of you. You can write on your husband's arm, you can write on a piece of paper, anything you can find that you can write on, write on it. Um, the first one is Matthew 14, 13 through 21. I'm gonna say it twice because it's not on the screen. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. The second one is Matthew 26, 26. Same book, Matthew 26, 26. The third one is Luke 24, 30 through 31. And then the last one is 1 Thessalonians 5, I don't know where it went. Um, I think it's 518 through 20, but we'll fix it later. 515 through 20? Um, I don't know. I have a 40-year-old brain. I can't remember. It's 1 Thessalonians 5 something, so roll with me, okay? Um, the reason I asked you to write these down is because in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the same story is recorded that only happened like this one time. Before Jesus died, right before he died, like if you knew you were about to die, wouldn't you say the most important thing to the people that you love, most likely? Right before he died, this is what he said. After he came back to life, this is the, one of the first things that he said. It is in every gospel. It is sometimes more than once in every gospel. It's in Acts and it's in 1 Thessalonians somewhere. We'll figure that out later. Um, this is, I think, important because God went to a lot of trouble to repeat it over and over and over again. And it relates specifically, moms, to us. So let's look at the first one. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I used to kind of have this complaint as a mom against Jesus. Sure, he was perfect and all, but he never had kids. And if he had had kids, then maybe he would be a lot less perfect like me, was my argument. But in this passage, moms, we see he can relate to the fact that he could never get away from all the people in his life. I mean, what had happened before this is his cousin had just had his head chopped off. His cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. I mean, give the guy a chance to get away and cry by himself, but he can't do it. As soon as the crowds notice that he's trying to get away alone, they're all following, like the kids to the mama in the bathroom, all right? So moms, I just want to say up front, Jesus understands your pain, that you never, ever, ever get a moment to breathe and a moment alone. In verse 15, it says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting really late, Jesus. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied in verse 16, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples are tired they have all these masses of people. They're getting hungry. You know what happens when masses of people get hungry, at least in my house, 
it gets really grumpy. <laughs> and the disciples come to Jesus and say, you've got to send these people away. In another one of the Gospels, Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And one of the disciples speaks up and says, Jesus, we don't have enough. We don't have enough time before the stores close. We don't have enough money. I mean, there were, verse 21 says that there were 5,000 men there in addition to women and children. In this culture, they counted the men. They didn't count the women and children. So probably, if you have 5,000 men and you add women and children, we're talking about 15 to 25,000 people. I mean, we're talking a civic center full or maybe two downtown. That's a lot of people. And one of the disciples says, we'd have to have eight months of a man's wage just to give everybody a bite. We don't have enough, Jesus, standing, looking at the face of God, saying, we don't have enough. Now, I don't know about you. As a mom, if I could narrow it down to one feeling that I feel, because we are feelers, most of the time, more than anything else, is the feeling that I am not enough. I don't have enough time to get everything done that I need to get done. You ever feel that way when you're putting your head on the pillow? I don't have enough energy. Lord, I'm over 40. I'm losing that energy. I don't have enough wisdom to make all of these decisions for my kids. I don't have enough sleep if you have babies. I don't have enough food. I don't ever have enough food. I have a swimmer in my house. She eats 7,000 calories a day. We never have enough food in our house. I don't have enough of what it takes to mother these kids. Now, there is nothing that makes you feel like you don't have enough like Pinterest. Anybody ever looked on Pinterest before? You know, you get on Pinterest and they show you how in five minutes, with just stuff you have in your house already, you can make these fabulous things. So the kids and I were trying to decorate the upstairs and we found this fabulous thing on Pinterest, this Crayola rainbow art, that we just thought all you have to do is stick the little crayons on the little paper, take the little hot flicker fire thing, buy, and we just have all the colors of the rainbow, all right? Here's what ours looked like when we got done with it. <laughs> you know, crayons don't magically stick to that paper. <laughs> we got out the duct tape. I'm kidding. Some of y'all probably seen that. You need to Google like 20 Pinterest fails this week. But what I did look up on Pinterest this week, we've been trying to eat healthy. So I looked up sweet potato fries on Pinterest because we're not eating regular fries at our house. And so here's what the sweet potato fries look like on Pinterest. Here's what they look when I got done with them. Jeff was not home that night, and I gave those to my kids. And the oldest one said, you can't make us eat those. Let me just give you all a hint. If you are in here and you are a child, do not ever say to your mother, you cannot make us, because you have just challenged her to make you. <laughs> so I did what any loving, nurturing mother would do. No, I did not order a pizza. That's what their daddy would have done if he had been home. I said, I started, I launched into a lecture. I said, do you realize that there are millions of children on the other side of the world that would give anything for one bite of your burnt sweet potato fries? And the little smart aleck one, she goes, excuse me, would it be okay if we donated them? <laughs> no, it would not be okay. You're going to eat them. You're going to be thankful. But everywhere we go, Pinterest, Instagram, every magazine that comes in your house, adds to that feeling that you are not enough. You're not thin enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough, on and on. And I don't know if you feel that, but when it comes to your babies and that not enough feeling, man, it robs your 
joy. So the disciples come to Jesus and they basically said, we don't, we don't have enough to the Son of God. It would be like standing at Niagara Falls and being thirsty and saying, we don't have any water. I mean, they are face to face with the source of the universe, the one who spoke and the world came into existence, telling him that they don't have enough. And Jesus says, um, well, before Jesus says this in verse 17, they do say to him, all right, Jesus, we found one kid with a lunch packed today. He has five loaves of bread and two fish. All right, we found this kid with a lunch. And I, it just made me wonder, studying this this week, who packed that kid's lunch, do you think? In a culture where the women were not even counted, only the men were counted in public groups, there is no way his daddy packed his lunch. And I don't know about you mamas, but if I'm going to be with my kids, we're going to go to McDonald's. So I don't pack them a lunch if I'm going to be with them. We're going to stop through the drive-thru. But if I'm not going to be with them, then chances are I will pack their lunch. Anybody like packing a lunch? It is like the, it's the thing we forget. Every, every now and then we're packed the night before and that's the best day ever. But most of the time we are running out the door and we're already late and Allie goes, I don't have a lunch. And so we're running in and we're grabbing. You know, for us, when we get down to tuna fish, that means there's not enough food in the house and I'm grabbing tuna fish and I'm grabbing crackers and that'll work. Um, I hate packing a lunch. Again, it reminds me there's never enough food, there's never enough money to go grocery shopping, there's never enough of me to go around. And I just want to say to you moms who perhaps feel like I am not using my gifts enough, I am wasting away doing these mundane tasks at home, some mama doing that boring, mundane tasks that you have to do every single day. It never goes away. Some mama who packed that kid's lunch, who is unnamed and uncounted, gave her kid an opportunity to come face to face with Jesus. Don't ever let anybody tell you that what you do is not important, that it doesn't matter, that it doesn't count. And so they bring this boy with this lunch to Jesus, and Jesus says, Bring them here to me, verse 18, what you saw these parents do a minute ago. They basically said, we don't have what it takes. We're bringing our kids to Jesus' help. We're bringing them to the church for help. He directs the people to sit down. I love this in Jesus' presence. You just sit down, quit being stressed out. He takes the five loaves and the two fish, and it says, looking up to heaven. In the other Gospels, it says he literally lifted the loaves of bread up to heaven. I think because he wanted everybody in the crowd to see that there was not enough. They weren't hiding Publix baskets back here. There was not, this is all we got, people. Five loaves of bread and two fish. It was not enough. And then watch this order that takes place next. It says he, number one, gave thanks. Then he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. That's going to be important. And the disciples gave them to the people. You know, Jesus could have given the food out himself. But he allowed the disciples to be a part of the miracle, which is the third thing. And they all ate, and they were satisfied. 
Anybody ever satisfied after dinner at your house? Not at my house. Everybody wants a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Everybody wants dessert. Nobody's ever satisfied with just dinner. But this, in this miracle, the people not only ate until they were full, but afterwards the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. Twelve is not a mistake. There was one for every single disciple so that they would know that God was enough. Flip over to Matthew 26, 26. This is Jesus, Matthew 26, 26, the night before he's about to die on the cross. He's having what we know as the Last Supper with the disciples. He's sitting down with them, and verse 26 says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Again, this is a miracle of not enough. What Jesus had been talking about was there was an old way of coming to God where you used to try to keep the law and be good enough. But guess what? I know you know this. None of you were good enough. And so I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to break my body and I'm going to die for you and I will be enough. And this time the miracle is that you can be forgiven and have right standing with God you're not enough, you're not good enough, but I'm enough. And I'm gonna be able to satisfy your need for a right standing with God. Again, he gives thanks, he breaks the bread. I like to add here that this is not just about like, God is great, God is good, thank you God for our food. Do you notice they were already eating when he did this? So this wasn't the blessing before the meal. And in Jewish culture, when they did give a blessing and break bread, they were often eating. But it wasn't the blessing we give. God, thank you so much for our food. Help it to nourish our bodies. As if God's going to somehow magically take the burnt sweet potatoes and make them a nourishment to our bodies. They weren't thanking God for the food. They were giving a blessing to God. They were thanking God for being God. They were thanking God for being enough. In America, we say thank you for the food. They were saying, thank you, God, for who you are. You're enough. And then Jesus followed that same pattern, that thanking, that breaking, and then the miracle. Look at Luke 24, 30 through 31. Luke 24, 30 through 31. This is after Jesus has died, he's been buried, and he has risen again from the dead. Some of his disciples have already gone to the tomb and seen that it's empty. So word is out that something is up. And there are two of his disciples that are walking on the road to a town called Eumaeus. While they're walking, Jesus miraculously appears beside them. They don't recognize him at first. They're blinded to him. And they're explaining, man, do you know what just happened in Jerusalem? Jesus just got crucified and on and on. And some people are saying he's not in the tomb. And they're explaining this. And Jesus is walking with them. And when they get to the place where they were going to stop and have a meal, Jesus was going to go on, but they invited him to stay. And so Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, sits down with them. And verse 30 says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And all of a sudden, they have major deja vu. We have seen this twice before. And the scripture says that their eyes were open and they recognized him as Jesus. 
We've seen him do this now three times, this giving thanks, this breaking of bread, which was their symbol of life, and giving that bread or that life to us. And then something amazing happened. The first time they didn't have enough food, not enough food, and God, Jesus gave thanks. He, there was a brokenness, and then they had enough food. The second time, they were not good enough, and Jesus gave thanks. He explained that his body would be broken, and then they had enough to be forgiven. This third time, they're blinded, they're lost. They don't recognize that it's Jesus, and he gives thanks. He breaks the bread, and all of a sudden, the miracle happens. The scales fall off their eyes, and they recognize that Jesus is with them. In every gospel, at the climax of Jesus' ministry, before he goes to the cross, after he rises again. I just, I battled with this over the last few weeks. God, what is it? There's something here. Why, Why is this order so important? Why is it, if you can't see it in the back, this bottom box says thanks. Why did you do the thanks first and then the brokenness And then the miracle. What's the purpose in that order, God? I don't know, but I know that I have seen people who have the miracle first. You know, they have enough first or they think they're enough. Like, they think they're all of that. You know these kind of people, right? They've never um, been this one. They've never been broken. We don't like those kind of people, do we? They turn down their nose at us. They speak down. They don't give grace. I'll never forget when I was pregnant with my first child, I drug Jeff to childbirthing classes. I'm like, baby, it's going to be so fun. All the dads do it. It's going to be awesome. So I drug him with me. We go down to the medical center, and I am telling you, that woman was evil. She was evil. She ruined every perception I ever had of what birthing class was going to be like. She spoke down to the husband. She was whining and griping at them before they ever, it was the first class. She was whining at the women. You think you're going to do this without an epidural? You are never going to do it, honey, without an epidural. On and on and on. And it wasn't until we were walking out that somebody said, you know she's never actually given birth. I'm like, you are kidding me. She has never had her body broken like we're about to. That's it. I'm never going. We never went back, ever. That was our one and only birthing class. We don't like those people. Um, I have done this order where I have been broken first before the miracle or before the thanks. Sometimes it went like this. Sometimes it went like this. But I can tell you this much. This order hurts. This is painful because this order is what makes us raise our fist at God and say, you are not good and you are not loving and maybe you are not real. If you would allow me to experience this kind of brokenness. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, one of the most amazing services we ever had at my church. It was an amazing day. What ruined it for me is there was a man who came up to Jeff afterwards and he said, I love the service, I love the music, I loved your talk, I just don't believe it. Because God took my son. And God, if he was real, would never do that to any parent. And I don't pretend to know that pain. All I know is that this order hurts. 
I had my mama staying with me one time. She was trying to sneak down the stairs so she wouldn't wake the kids up in the middle of the night going to the bathroom, and all of a sudden we heard, boom, 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 boom. You know, grandma going down the steps. So Jeff and I pop up, and she has broken her arm. I thought, my dad's going to kill me. Um, we rushed her to the emergency room, and they did a little, you know, putting it in a sling. But a few days later, a few weeks later, we had to go to a specialist. And they gave her some anesthesia, but it hadn't taken yet when they started to move it around. And I've never heard my mama scream, and I heard her scream that day because it hurt. The anesthesia hadn't taken yet. I kind of think that maybe one of the reasons God gave us this order was for this to almost serve as an anesthesia to our pain. Because if you've lived very long at all in this world, here's what you know. You know that this is a reality. We live in a broken, fallen world. Sometimes we cause it, Sometimes God chooses it. I can't always explain that, but it's a reality. And as a mama, I would do anything to protect my kids from this. But there's just not enough of me to go around to protect them 24-7. As a mama, if I could do this, I would. And let me tell you what, on the night before Science Fair Project is due, I, I just about do this. I run to Michael's, I'd do that whole thing in one night. But I really can't do this to fix, only God can do this for them. What I can do as a mom, I can do this. I can model this, I can teach this, but boy am I lousy at it. I'm gonna go home today and the first thing I'm gonna see is that daggum refrigerator that is not the one I wanted, that has dings in it and it drips and it's not the color and it has fingerprints and I'm gonna be frustrated over it. This is what I think Jesus was wanting to teach us, not to be a big ugly God like you just take what comes your way, but to protect us to love us, to protect our hearts, because when the thanks comes first, it makes the brokenness not hurt as bad. And the thanks in every one of these stories always came before the miracle. Now God sometimes, he's just extra loving and good and he'll give you the miracle whether you deserve it or not. All of us as Americans, We've been given a miracle to live in this country. We have nothing to complain about. But I promise you this, that when you're begging, begging, begging for the miracle and you're complaining, complaining, complaining about everything that's wrong in your life or not what you want, this is not going to come. Because I think the reason for this order is found in that Thessalonians verse. Will y'all put that up so I can see where it's found? 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 through 19. Will you guys say it with me? Give thanks no matter what happens. Anybody like that part? Not me. Give thanks no matter what happens. God wants you to thank him because you what? Believe in Christ Jesus. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. In every aspect of our walk with God, he asks only for one thing, 
for trust, for faith. He's going to do this miracle. It's going to come. But when we put our life in this order, when we put the thanks first, it is saying to God that I trust you and I believe in you no matter what happens. I got a life lesson the other day. It was the night before that tornado warning. We all got woken up at five in the morning to the tornado siren. And before we went to bed, I had one of those ugly moments with my 15-year-old where basically I sent her off to bed feeling like she was not enough. And I went to bed knowing that I was not enough or worthy to be her mother. And I went to bed and one of the last things I did, I was checking emails and my mother-in-law sent me this, this other 15-year-old's Facebook post from that day. It was a girl who lived in Arkansas. In the picture was a concrete slab of what used to be her home where she lived with her father, her mother, and like five brothers and sisters. She said in her Facebook post, lost dad and my two oldest sisters today. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that is what Jesus was trying to teach us. Whether you think life is right or wrong, we bless his name first. We declare that he is enough. And for some of you, you have brokenness that I don't know, maybe cannot be fixed this side of heaven. You've lost a spouse or a child or been through a divorce. You can't undo what was done. But I do know that God can take our not enough and he can be enough. But we have to get to a place where we can practice this thanks. And here's what's so convicting me because I come in here and I worship and I love worship at my church. It's what gets me through the next week. But in that worship, if I am honest, I am just a little bit selfish still. Meaning that I'm telling God, you're awesome, you can do anything, you are amazing, you're all powerful, and you're gonna fix my problems, right, God? Because you're all powerful, so you're gonna, there's like a hope in that, that things are gonna change for me. And what God has been saying to me lately is, Christy, I love your praise, but I also want your thanks. Meaning that if nothing ever changed, you would still bless my name. That's what 1 Thessalonians asks us, that we would thank him no matter what. Mamas, can you imagine what our homes would look like if we modeled that for our kids? If we taught them in this world that is so stinking ungrateful, I show up with cupcakes at school and I just want to slap some of those kids. Me first, me first, they're all grabbing. I'm like, whoever says me first is not getting one. Um, I mean, but they're learning it from us too. Every time we complain about our house, our clothes, our bodies, our every situation. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. Give us a little object lesson, all right? Because I'm in this with you. I need help with this giving thanks part. I was gonna give you this cute little jar I saw on Pinterest that would be your thankful jar and I decided it would probably be a failure. So instead of a jar, I bought you a very generous gift of sticky notes. 
And here's what I'm asking you to do. As you leave, there's going to be men holding these cute colanders with sticky notes in it. I want every woman in this room to grab you a pad of sticky notes. And what I'm asking you to do is every moment of your day that you feel like you're not enough or you feel like you don't have enough or you feel ungrateful, I want you to take that sticky note, write thanks on it. I'm going to go home, I'm going to stick one on that fridge that I can't stand, all right? A man asked me after the last service, he goes, if mine won't stick to me, um, would you tell my, my wife not to staple it to my forehead? <laughs> you might need to stick this on your husband. He isn't doing everything you think he should do for you. That might change if you were thankful that he went out and fought battles for you, that he provided for you. Might change. You know, University of California in Berkeley, they have all kinds of, you need to go home and Google it. Statistics that we would sleep better, we would live longer, we would be sick less, we'd be happier, our kids would get better grades if we were just thankful. There's real research to support that. So I don't know exactly how this works, but I'm going to tell you real quick how it worked for me last night. And please know, if you're battling something big, I do not belittle the battles that you're going through. But for me, I'm, I'm pretty thankful in the big stuff. It's the little stuff that gets me. So last night, just last night, I got this sticky note idea, and I'm like kind of late in the game. So I um, had gone out earlier in the day, and I couldn't find. I wanted, if I couldn't make you a cute thankful jar from Pinterest, I wanted cute sticky notes at least. And so I ran around, and I couldn't find enough cute sticky notes. And last night, I was running to Target, like 9 o'clock at night, in my pajamas, and I'm just praying, God, just... I remember there being cute sticky notes at Target. Please help me to find the cute sticky notes at Target. So I pull into the Target parking lot, and I'm not kidding you, that is the moment that it starts to rain like a downpour. Remember that last night? And I'm like, oh, I hate getting out of the car when it's soaking wet. I'm like, God, thank you for the rain. Thank you very much for the rain. I know the flowers need it, and just protect my hair. Um, so then I'm like, I know how God's going to give me a miracle. God's going to give me a miracle of a parking space. Because, you know, God's love for us is dependent on whether he gives us a good parking space or not, right? So I'm praying for a good parking space, and sure enough, there it is, right on the front row, is my perfect parking space. Here comes the miracle. I'm about to turn in, and all of a sudden, this white cube pulls in ahead of me. I mean, a cube is not even a car. You know that little box cube car pulls right in in front of me and takes my parking space. He takes my miracle. That's okay, God. Thank you that the cube took my parking space because I know the sticky notes are going to be inside the exact number that I need. I get out. I, I mean, I park far away. I am soaking wet. I get inside to the cute sticky note section, and would you know, I'm like, God, there are no freaking cute sticky notes. Oh, we don't say that word in my house. We don't say that word. I was so mad at God because, God, I'm thanking you. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, God, there's no cute sticky notes. I'm going to say thank you. So I had to go to the back of Target. I had to buy you the Up and Up brand of sticky notes. That's why they probably aren't going to stick. So I'm just telling you to be prepared when you go to stick yours and it doesn't stick. You just thank God that it doesn't stick, all right, that it's not going your way. I finally get home, and I pull into my house. I don't know, baby, what time is it? 10 o'clock at night? And um, I walk in, and my 15-year-old daughter has cleaned our house from top 
to bottom. I mean, she just finished like five minutes before I got there. Every toilet, every bed was made. Every, I mean, because clean, it has to be perfect or it's not clean for me. Like it has to be perfect. It was perfection. And had I not got caught in the rain, not been searching for sticky notes, not gotten my parking space taken, I would have rained on that sweet little girl's parade of having it just perfect when I walked through the door. So I don't know when the miracle is going to come. I don't know when, Lord, I wish I knew when the brokenness was coming, but I do know that we can get prepared for it by being thankful, by practicing every minute of our day. Will you try it with me? Let's take our not enough to God and let him be enough for us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, um, God, for challenging me personally. God, I pray for every mother in this room, men and women and children too, God, that we would learn how to bless your name and be thankful no matter what happens. God, would you teach us the miracle in that? Would you reveal yourself to us as we take a step towards following you and just giving you thanks? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.